0: you're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas, find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. love the, the uh, unpredictability of having kids participate themselves, they're learning things, they're experiencing things that are going to be memorable and we, uh, I just love that. And I really appreciate everybody that's working with our kids, too, man. That's, uh, you can see with this amount of activity that goes on how hard it is to keep them all pointed the same direction, singing the same songs, and uh, just uh, awesome work. And uh, I have uh, two Starbucks cards for anybody that will get up now and go give blood. Anybody that wants to do that. If you do, please come and tell me afterwards. Uh, we just want to keep it full as much as we can. As, ma- as many people as we can, um, given uh, the time that we're here. Um, I think they knew that when they came that this was going to be a challenge for us because people want to be in the service uh, and they also want to give blood. And, uh, but uh, I told them it would be, you know, it's well worth it um, to, uh, to have them come and uh, as we've heard before there's several people in our congregation who literally have are are live because somebody gave um, the gift of life Uh, they can't make this stuff they have to get it from people and uh, this time of the year particularly because people are so busy and distracted uh, even people that normally give sometimes are not uh, as consistent so um, it's our opportunity to really do a great service for our community so um, we're going to continue with a series, our, our Christmas series, uh, for 2018, which is the gift of. Every week we're looking at a different gift. Today we almost looked at the wrong gift, but we're saving that for next week. Um, and we'll, we'll rewrap it, and this time we'll put a label on it, even though it's the last one. We don't really need to worry about it, unwrapping the wrong one. But. So this morning uh, we're looking at the gift of uh, shepherds. And uh, I'll explain that, uh, why that is such a gift uh, to us, because we've, we've looked at the uh, several different gifts that Christmas represents that God gave us. The key scripture from this series is um, from James uh, chapter 1, verse 17, and it says, Every good gift, every perfect gift, uh, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no um, variation or shadow due to change... So every good thing that you have comes from God. Even if it comes through somebody else, or even if you think maybe you've sort of earned it yourself or or that you've gotten it yourself uh, or that you've worked hard for it, um, the fact is is that God always makes it clear to us that every good thing that we have, every good relationship that we have, every uh, advantage that we have, um, every bit of our um, income, It all comes as a gift from God, and he is such a good giver of gifts. Um, The good thing about it is is that he wants us to be like him. So when we come to him, you know, if Jesus lives in your heart, there ought to be something different, you know? There ought to be something that you can look at your life and say, um, that's due to God living in my life and living in my heart. One of those things is generosity. Um, And this is particularly a season of the year when um, people are um, maybe giving things, but they're not giving their hearts. Um, and we want to be intentional about giving the good things that God has given to us to those uh, that he's put into our lives. Um, so the, the scripture that we read this morning, i want to just kind of talk a little bit about that. Uh, and I'm going to read a little bit, uh, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, so it's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And you probably didn't hear most of this because we were putting the kid in the box and all the other kids were looking at it while, um, while she was reading it. Um, so we're going to go back and look at that. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 20. <clears throat> and it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. I, I said, okay, I said, that's what Linus says. Yeah. And uh, so I I love that version of it. Shown around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Now, I just want to kind of remind you, because I know you know the Christmas story. One of the challenging things about preaching during the Christmas season is that we've heard all of the stories at some point in time. But the good thing about it is, is that there's always parts of it. There's always depth to it that every year we're experiencing something new and something different. So just give an ear to the, to the word of the Lord. Imagine for, uh, with me uh, what the scene in heaven must have been like when the spotless lamb uh, left to come here. Imagine just what, what that must have been like. How it, it, The Bible says that angels long to see what we see. There was a mystery to what was going on that even the angels didn't understand. There was something that was happening that had never happened before and never will happen again. And that is that God himself descended from the throne and and came to earth. And you can imagine the procession that must have happened as a result of that. How how each angel must have wanted to witness this thing firsthand. And so they come to earth. Now, you, you can also imagine... If a dignitary was coming from another country, he would have, you know, a posse. He would have a a group of people that would go with him to to make it possible. There would have been, um, you know, uh, people that would uh, be there for protection, but also people to proclaim who he was and and to uh, to kind of make a way for him, make sure that all the arrangements uh, were were made right. And uh, the first thing that they would do would be contact the most influential rulers in the district. But as we have found over and over again, God doesn't do things the way that we would do things. He thought it was very important to tell some people. But the people that he, told, he decided to tell were not the important people that we would have told. Political authorities, right? And we already saw what happened when one of those guys got it in his head that something was up. It said all of Jerusalem was troubled because he was troubled. Why? Because he was murderous. Because he did what most people do when they have earthly and, and, uh, uh, and uh, power that's a natural power, is that he exerted that power in a deadly way. So no, God didn't like, whisper in his ear that anything was up. God didn't send a delegation to him to say that anything was up. What about religious authorities? Here's the religious authorities that have been teaching on the Messiah and, 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 uh, and telling people what to expect from the Messiah as best as they could tell from the scriptures. But the angels didn't come to them either. The angel said to them, fear not. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Any kind of manifestation like this, any, any time when the spirit actually kind of peeks into the, what we call reality, it's frightening. It can be, it can be just terrifying. For it to happen, And the angels, the first thing that they say, and often the first thing that Jesus says to people is, fear not. Fear not. This is a phenomenon you're not, you're not uh, experienced with, but it's nothing to be afraid of. Because these angels are not here to do something harmful to you. They're here to announce something to you. And what are they here to announce? They're here to announce what Jesus told us to announce to the world. Good news. Good news of great joy. And they said, it's this good news of great joy will be for all the people. And then the angel says to him, for unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the baby wrapped wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Among, whom, uh, among those uh, with whom he is pleased. The angel said, for unto you is born this day a Savior. It became obvious really soon after Jesus was born that Jesus was not just given to Mary and not just given to Joseph, but was given to the world. And the way that we know that he was given for, to the world is what the world did with him and to him as a result. This gift was not a gift to Mary or to Joseph or to his family, but it was a gift to us. And how did we receive this gift? How did we receive this child? Did we make a welcome place for him? Did we rejoice in his presence? Did we honor him? Did we treat this gift like this was a gift, the most precious gift that our Heavenly Father could have given us? How do we treat him today? This gift, this precious gift, because you see, God gave this gift and he didn't look for any guarantees out of us. He didn't say, now I'm going to give you my son, but you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this. He gave and he came and he said, These, this, this, this child is born unto you, is given unto you. And what is he? He is, a, um, he is a savior and he is born in the city of David. We're going to come back to that in a minute. When the angels went away, Uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, these guys are watching their flocks at night, and they are so overwhelmed with what's going on here that they leave their flocks, or maybe they drove their flocks with them, I don't know. But they stopped doing what they were doing, and they went to find out what was going on. One of the uh, verses that stands out to me in the Bible uh, that's, that's uh, a great instruction as to when the Lord speaks to you, what should you do, is Moses in the wilderness, and he's walking along and he sees this bush that's burning and it's not consumed, and he turns aside. He turns aside from what he was doing. He turns aside from his normal activities. He doesn't say, my schedule trumps any of this stuff. He says, I'm seeing something here that I can't pass up the opportunity and that's what these shepherds said. They have seen these angels and the angels have now gone away and the shepherds are like, so what, what's next? We have to see this for ourselves. And it says that they came, uh, they went to, to Bethlehem uh, and they, uh, to see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And I, I wonder, I mean, would it be that hard? If, like, If I told you there's a baby that's lying in a feed trough Um, you know, that's pretty distinctive, right? There's probably not very many of those, right? So when they came and they found Mary and Joseph, and they found Jesus just as uh, uh, as the angels had said, and it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at it, at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. Now, I picked the shepherds um, today because I think the shepherds represent um, several different things. One of the first uh, readings um, that, uh, that the McDonald's did today um, indicates this. It's from, where is it in my notes here? Sorry, guys. I have to find it on my phone. Yes, it is. Okay, read it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So who is that talking about? Who is that 1 Corinthians talking about? It's talking about us, right? I mean, it was talking about the Corinthians. It was a letter that was written to specific people that Paul was addressing. But he wasn't just talking about them. He wasn't saying, consider yourselves, brethren, like this is a description of the Corinthian church. It's a description of the body of Christ, which, again, is God's way of kind of poking fun At the people who think themselves wise or think themselves important or think themselves of some, you know, uh, reputation or something like that. God said, look, the ones that I chose, I didn't choose because they had anything to lean back on or anything to to justify themselves. I specifically chose people who had nothing. And that's why the shepherds remind me so much of us. They're just regular guys. I come from a family of uh, agricultural people on both my mom and my dad's side. Uh, my dad, I think, was the first one to get a college education um, in his family, uh, and maybe for generations before that. An Italian immigrant family that came over from the old world because they were desperate, because they didn't have any fallback uh, options, because they had to earn a living somehow, and uh, and make their way. And they came over, and they uh, they were farmers and they were um, uh, cattlemen. They raised uh, commercial cattle, and one of the things that I loved the best when I went to visit them, I thought they were like the best people on earth, you know, I thought that like these are the most awesome people I've ever met, many people looking at them would say, you know, that they are not that great, they don't have that much, they never did have that much, but man, when we went, we would like work the cows, and I get to ride a horse, and actually, you know, chase cows, and you know, and and, and all the work that goes into that, I thought that was, for, for a young boy, that was one of the you know, most exciting things that we could have. When you look at shepherds, you look at people that are close to God's heart. It was a long tradition in, uh, in Israel uh, for them to, have sh- be, to be shepherds. Uh, Abraham, beginning with Abraham, he had a ton of flocks of, of sheep and goats and, uh, and camels and, uh, and everything else. And he was involved a lot in the agriculture and a lot in, uh, in, in raising animals and stuff like that. And then you look at Jacob. Jacob was, you know, known for being really good because God blessed him at uh, at raising flocks. And then Jacob's sons also were. And when they went to Egypt, um, Joseph had to have a little word with Pharaoh because they looked down on people who were agricultural people or people who worked with animals. And Joseph said, "That's what these people do. Just give them a little section of land. Just give them a little place where they can be." You know, it's. I don't think he was embarrassed. But he understood that the Egyptians looked down on people like that. And they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to mix with them. They didn't understand. They didn't know what to do with them, you know. And even after they came out, the, the city that we're close to here, Bethlehem, is the birthplace of who? Who else? Who's the great, great man after God's own heart? David. You guys know this, right? There's no accident that the first people that the angels announced Uh, Two, that, um, that Jesus Christ had been born were people like that, shepherds. And I think there was a reason for that because it's dear to God's heart. Shepherding is dear to God's heart. Shepherding is something God wants all of us to have a grasp of and an understanding of so that we can do it, but mostly so we can respond to him as he shepherds us because he is the good shepherd. It's not funny that the angels would appear. It's not strange or out of the question, that they wouldn't appear in Jerusalem or they wouldn't appear up in Galilee, but that they would appear at this place because these shepherds are probably watching their flocks in the fields that David himself probably uh, had pastured his flocks in, where David had learned uh, and had probably written many of the psalms and, uh, and the songs that he was known for, where he had grown in his relationship uh, with the Lord. The first guys that get invited to the big news are just ordinary people, like, but they are men after God's own heart. The big announcement, for unto you this day, and the angel said to them, fear not, but behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born, this day in the city of David, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. This is the first announcement, and this is going to spread like wildfire across the world, not just in Israel, but around the world. And who, are they, who is going to take this message? I've often thought about this, and I know I've probably mentioned it many times to you before. Uh, if, if I know that I've remembered saying something to you before, i probably said it ten times more often than I thought that I had. Um, but do you ever wonder why God didn't just give the angels the job of spreading the gospel? Do you ever think about that? I mean, this is pretty impressive, right? This is something that people, like when we go and we, we share the gospel with people and people are just like unimpressed by it, you know? Well, what about an angel? What about somebody clothed in light like this with, you know, I don't even know how, what they look like. There's not very many descriptions of them. I mean, some descriptions say they have wings. Some say that... They don't, they look a little bit like us. Why not those guys? How about those guys go tell everybody that Jesus Christ has come? And yet that's not God's plan at all, why? Because an angel can't be redeemed. An angel can't have Jesus living on the inside of him. An angel can't be an example of somebody who's passed from death to life. An angel just has a message. And we have a message, but we have proof in our lives. And these guys were the very first ones, the very first humans, the mortals, that would take this word and it would begin to spread throughout all of the earth. Not just to Israel, but throughout all of, the, all of the known world. And it's still spreading today in the same way. And God is still using the same people, the same kinds of people. People without big reputations. People without a lot of resources. People that don't think too highly of themselves. It's the same message that's being spread today. Amen? Are you with me? We're going to, I want to go back to uh, Jesus' description. And it's found in, um, it's found in Luke, I'm sorry. It's found in um, uh, John chapter 10, uh, verses 1 through 18. And there Jesus describes himself. Uh, as the good shepherd. He says, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'the one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door "'but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief. "'But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. "'To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, "'and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. "'When he has brought them out all his own, uh, "'he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, "'for they know his voice.'" a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. The thief comes only to steal and steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. He flees I have authority to lay lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus is describing himself here, but he's also describing something that's very near to the heart of God, and that is godly leadership. And that is someone who loves God with all their heart and loves people in a way that cares for people and that provides for people. Whether you're a business owner or Um, a a, a minister of the gospel or whether you're um, a father. In any position of leadership, it's really important to understand the good shepherds care for you and how the good shepherd takes care of you so that you can provide and care for other people in the same way. It's a different way of using authority. Let's look at this a little bit in detail. Jesus describes himself as a good shepherd but he's also describing his style of leadership, his, his care for, for, the, uh, for the sheep. He says, Truly I say to you, the one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. This picture to me is a picture of the law as compared to our, the New Testament covenant walk with Jesus Christ. The law is like uh, the sheepfold. Um, it had real clearly defined parameters it had a real clearly a rigid structure um, that, uh, that was meant to do all of the things uh, that sheep need, to protect, to provide, to identify. Like this was their place. This, this was where God had made a place for them and, uh, and where they were safe, right? And I don't know if you've ever spent time in the pen, but it can be very restrictive. It can be safe and you have your three meals a day, you know, it can be a, you know, a place that you, you get your identity from, but it's not very much fun. You were meant for the hills. You were meant for the fields. You were meant for the streams. But you are a sitting duck if you're out there by yourself, right? There's no feral sheep. Feral sheep die. They're breakfast. If a wolf sees a sheep straying around, you know, he knows what to do with it. Right, but if he sees a sheep with a shepherd, that's a completely different story, isn't it? Jesus doesn't want us to be locked into this, this, uh, the, this you know, structure where it's all by, you know, external uh, containment. Sure, it protects you, but it also confines you. But he says it's got to be this kind of shepherd. It's got to be a shepherd that goes in through the door. It's not a shepherd that jumps the fence. Now listen, I know Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he could have probably done it almost any way that he wanted to do it, but he was so intent on listening to God and taking directions from the Father and doing it the way that the Father is telling him to do it. And the way that the Father told him to do it is to fulfill the law. Even though he was accused over and over again of playing fast and loose with the law, he fulfilled not just the letter of the law, but the letter and the spirit of the law as well. That's going in through the fence. That's not somebody taking shortcuts. That's not somebody cutting themselves on uh, slack. That's not somebody saying, I can do it any way I want to. He went in through the gate. He went in through the... He honored the fence. He honored the pen. He honored the law. But his desire was to take those sheep who were experiencing protection and provision and identification and give them all of that in his presence. And they they had all of that and more out on the fields out where the, 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 uh, uh, the streams uh, were run, running, where the green grass was. They have all of, that, all of that advantage and they're not confined anymore. That's what Jesus is describing here. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I do things the right way. What he's describing in these first couple of verses is his authority, his ownership, and his power. He has the right to his sheep. He has the right to you. You may have problems in your life, and you may have the enemy's always looking for an opportunity. Listen to me. He's scared to death of Jesus Christ. He's scared to death of your shepherd. You may have problems and things that you struggle with, but the greatest stronghold in your life is Jesus Christ and the fact that he owns you, that you have given your life to him, and that you are his. And he takes that seriously, man. He's like a mama bear. You don't, nothing comes between him and you. He takes it seriously. He knows his sheep. He says, to him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his, sheep by his, own, by, uh, his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought all, them all out on, his, on their own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This is a personal relationship. Jesus knows what he owns. Jesus knows what belongs to him. We don't always know that, do we? I went, um, I took a trailer uh, down to uh, Louisiana a couple of weeks ago to uh, bring some stuff back from my dad's house. A friend of mine, his dad uh, had a trailer. When I told him I needed, you know, uh, what I needed, he said, oh, my dad's got a trailer. You can borrow it. And so I said, um, I told him that I would. And so uh, I went, Uh, he, he was telling me, okay, here's how you get there. He was showing me like a Google map and he was saying, so this is, my, this is my dad's house, and he's got a driveway right here, but there's another driveway next to it. That's where you have to go in to get the trailer. You don't go up to the house. You go in there, and there's a little shop there, and you're driving. So I'm looking at the Google map, and I'm kind of listening to him and everything, and he shows me, you know, how, how to go in, and, uh, and so I, I went out there. When I, I drove out there, and I pulled up, and there's a trailer right next to the shop, just like I was expecting, and so I backed in, and I hooked it up. Nobody came out of the shop. His dad didn't come out of the house, and You know, so I hooked it up and I took it and I went to Louisiana. Had to make a couple of stops to repair it and get it ready, you know, for the road. I was about halfway down to uh, Baton Rouge when I realized that the thing didn't have a uh, license plate on it, Uh, which could be a problem. But, you know, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't park it on the side of the road. I'm, uh, you know, I'm committed. So went all the way down there and loaded it up and came back and unloaded the stuff at my house. And uh, when I did. Uh, I took the trailer back, and as I was, I drove back in, and I was backing the trailer in, and there was a guy that was in the shop. He came out, and he was kind of watching me, and, you know, and I backed it in the best I could, and I hollered at him. I said, is this a good spot? And he said, yeah, that's a good spot, and um, so uh, I got out, and I started to unhitch it, and he came over to help me unhitch it, and he said, "Um, the guy that owns this trailer thought it was stolen, and I was like, no, the guy that owns the trailer, I talked to him, it's, you know. His name is Ben. His dad lives over here. You know, he told his dad that I was going to get the trailer. And, you know, like I'm telling the guy, you know, I know what I'm doing here. And the guy said, well, the guy that owns the trailer thought it was stolen, you know. And, uh, and he said, uh, he said he, they came out and they saw that the trailer was missing. And while he's talking to me, um, I'm looking in front of me and past the, past the shop, there's a fence and there's a flatbed trailer back there. And that was the one I was supposed to be borrowing. (laughs) And uh, when I realized what was going on, number one, I was really grateful that I didn't get pulled over for not having a license plate because I would have ended up in Angola. (laughs) And uh, and number two, I was really happy that these people, you know, didn't call the police immediately and and, uh, have me taken off to jail. It's really important to know your stuff, right? And Jesus says that the good shepherd knows what's his stuff, right? It doesn't belong to somebody else. It belongs to him, and he's got the right. He's got the authority. He's got the right to you in your life, right? It's a a well-earned right, and it's not something that he has forced on you. It's something that you, you have done because you have willingly done that. If you haven't thought about it lately, you should stop and think about, why did you ever give your heart to the Lord? It's probably mixed motives, but the more you know him, the more you know what the benefits are and that it's the only rational way to live in this world is to be his, for him to be your shepherd, for him to know you and, to, and, to know your, um, and for you to know his voice. I also get a lot of assurance uh, from this. It says, um, the, Greek, the gatekeeper opens and says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. He knows his own sheep the story that i heard a few years ago a guy was uh, driving in the country and had car trouble and pulled over and he got out and he had the had the hood up and uh, was looking at the car and couldn't figure out what was going on um, It just wouldn't wouldn't start it just stopped dead and it wouldn't start and uh an old uh you she goat i mean she sheep she sheep <laughs> comes over <laughs> and uh and while he's looking at the car the sheep says uh, it's probably the fuel pump, and it freaks the guy out. He just takes off running. He's running down the road about a couple of hundred yards down the road, and he sees the uh, the owner, and he and he's, you know he's, he stops and he tells him what happened. And the owner said, "Well, what did the sheep look like?" And, and uh, he said, um, "He said, was it was it a real you know big um, blackface sheep?" And the guy said, "Yeah, that sounds like the that sounds like the one that was that, that that it happened with." And the guy said, "Oh, don't listen to her. She didn't know anything about cars. <laughs> he knows his sheep." Says a strange. I thought you would like that. Oh, I got a. I got another one. This is a noble joke. So, what do you get if you have like an angry? You cross an angry sheep uh, with an irritable cow. Whatever it is, it's in a bad mood. You can use that novel. <laughs> huh? Yeah, that's the feature on the podcast this week. So when you're looking at Facebook and it's like a quote from, from the sermon, <clears throat> he knows his sheep, he leads them out, he knows the way. Here's some, ex- here's some, um, some qualities of a good uh, shepherd. First of all, he has authority. He knows what his authority is. He doesn't usurp authority, and he doesn't use it for his own ends and his own way. The second is that he knows his sheep. And finally, and this is something that is repeated over and over again in here, is that he lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He contrasts the good shepherd with a hireling, somebody that's just doing it for the money. Somebody that's just doing it, and sometimes our motive is not necessarily money, but it can still be very selfish and very self-centered and very short-sighted. But Jesus says, here's how you know that somebody is not just doing it for whatever other reason, but he's doing it for the right reasons, and that's that he is giving up his own life in order to save the life of the others. Great example of this is David, right? Because when David is standing before Saul, And and, and he's faced this kind of stuff before. People looking down on him, people overlooking him, people underestimating him. And he's he's seen this kind of stuff before, and it doesn't phase him. Why? Because he's he's telling Saul. Saul is just like, man, this guy has been Goliath has been a warrior since he was a child, and he's massive. He's going to eat you for breakfast. And David is like, no, he is not going to eat me for breakfast. He said, I was out watching the sheep in the field, and a lion came up, and he said, I grabbed him by the beard, and I killed him with my bare hands. And then a bear came out, and I grabbed... Listen, what people would let a kid do a job like this? Like, when he came home and told the story about the lion, who would say, now go on back out there, right? But that's what David... And you know why David, what David said about that? David was not in any way... Like many people would be tempted to, to, to do is to think of himself as a great warrior. He did not. He thought of his God as a great warrior, that God had delivered this lion and this bear into his hands. And where did he get that? He got that in the place that many shepherds spend a lot of time, in, and that's in solitude. That's in a quiet place where it's just you and the Lord, you alone with your thoughts. You don't have to play any games with anybody else. You don't have to impress anybody else. It's just you and your sheep and the Lord. And that's where he wrote some of his most beautiful psalms, I'm sure. That's where, where he um, came to, to understand um, what God meant to him and what he meant to God. Time and contemplation, time alone with God. Jesus said what you hear in secret, that's what you proclaim from the mountaintops. That's what you say. What you see in solitude is what you have to give. And if you don't spend that kind of time in solitude, then you don't have anything really to offer. David knew that he could handle Goliath. Why? Because God had already given him the uh, the, uh, privilege of having seen God's power firsthand through his own hands, through his own ability to deliver. He knew that he could handle Goliath. Not because he was a great warrior, but because God was a great warrior. And that was because David was willing to lay down his life. Jesus said, that's what makes a good shepherd, to lay down your life. Listen, that's the sticking point. That's the thing that is hard for everybody, is saying no to yourself and saying yes to God. That's what Adam and Eve couldn't do. That's what Mary did. That's what Joseph did. That's what Jesus did. That's what everybody who has ever served the Lord in an effective way has done is say no to yourself and say yes to God. And how many times have you done that and you stop and you look at it and you're like, hey, this is not that bad. This is actually pretty good, you know, where I'm actually serving the Lord. I'm actually seeking the Lord. I'm actually walking with the Lord. I'm actually denying myself those those things that I know God's not pleased with, denying myself those things that don't satisfy and, and focusing on the one thing that does. How many times have you ever done that, and then you look back on it, and you're like, what was I afraid of? Who's been selling me a bill of goods saying that this was hard? This is not hard. Living for yourself is hard. Living a dead-end life is hard. Living a life with no purpose and no, uh, no priority is, is hard. Living a, a self-centered life is an empty life, living a life that is poured out to God where you're saying no to yourself and you're saying yes to him. That's where you see yourself kill a lion and a bear. That's an adventure, man. That's what you want to do. That's where you want to be. That's where you see yourself facing a a giant like Goliath where everybody else is cowering in their ditches and saying, well, you can't do this. What are you doing? What are you talking about? And he's saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's where God is, man is when we deny ourselves and we take up our cross and follow him. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Let me just conclude by going back to the story. And this is, um, this is such a great example of the way that God does things with people who are, following him and loving him <coughs> and laying down their lives for him. It says, when the angels went away uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went in haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, we already know the backstory. We talked about Mary uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we kind of know what the backstory is. Um, about how the angel had come to her and uh, had told her what was going to happen, uh, and then she, she, she surrendered, and she said, you know, behold the handmaid of the Lord. And Her life took a completely different course than she was expecting it to. And then when Joseph found out that she was uh, pregnant, how Joseph was a just man, he was a righteous man. The Bible is describing him in glowing terms. He's not just some legalist. He's not just somebody who's self, uh, self-righteous self uh, because of the acts of the law. He's honoring the law. He, he loves the law like his father David did, and he wants to honor the law, but he also knows that he can't marry a woman uh, under these conditions in this way. So what is he doing? He's showing her mercy. He could have had her publicly humiliated. He could have had her publicly pu- punished in whatever way for being pregnant, and yet he decides before he hears anything he decides he's going to show her mercy, and then an angel appears to him and says, "Joseph, don't be afraid to marry her, because that baby that she's carrying came from God, didn't come from a man." And Joseph says yes to himself. He says yes to his reputation. He says yet. He says he says. No, I'm sorry. He says no to himself. He says no to his reputation. He says no to the life that he was expecting to have with this with, with this woman that he obviously loves. And he says, yes, to God. And he says, yes, I will raise this child. I will be a father to this child that I know is not my child. And I will um, uh, marry her and take her as my own. And that's where the, the uh, shepherds find um, these two and this baby. Now, God's, God's uh, word has come true, and they are uh, there, and the baby has been born, and it's just the three of them. And God says, they need some company. They need some company. He knows when we need support. How how, uh, uh, refreshing is it when you're doing what you know that is the right thing to do and you're you're just doing it out of obedience and then somebody comes along that gets it and says, wow, I see what you're doing and I appreciate that. Doesn't that put some steel in your backbone? Doesn't that make you stand a little bit straighter and a little bit a little bit firmer? Don't you feel like you're on a, a little bit firmer ground? God does this often with people and He'll do this with you. If He's called you to do something and you're facing something, know that you're not gonna do it alone. Jesus was on the cross, the two people that were crucified on either side of him. And I don't know everything that Jesus was going, going through that day. I know that he was suffering terribly and I know that there are people, there are men and women that have died uh, bravely, faced death bravely. Jesus sweat, as it were, great drops of blood when he considered his death. I don't think that was because of the physical suffering. I think that was because he was going into a dark place where his relationship with the father that had always been there, that God was redeeming the world through him by him bearing the weight of the sin of the world. And in that moment, just before he, just before he, he died and gave up the, his spirit to the Lord, he has a conversation with somebody. And on the one side, he's making, this guy's making fun of him. Oh, that's just exactly how people are, right? They're going through hell and they want to put somebody else through hell. But on the other side, there's this insignificant, condemned man who tells him, you know, why do you want to do that? This guy's done nothing wrong. We're we're dying because of what we have done. We're guilty, but we've done nothing wrong. And then that guy does what the shepherds did for Mary and Joseph. He turns to Jesus, and he reminds Jesus of who he is and what he's doing. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a gift. That on that day when Jesus was paying the ultimate price, he had somebody that got it next to him. Somebody that reminded him of who he was. Even though maybe his relationship with the Father at that moment was as dead as anything has ever been dead, he saw for the first time what a redeemed person would be, what he was dying for. And he said, I- This day you're going to be with me in paradise. These shepherds came and they found uh, Mary and Joseph, it says, exactly as they had been told that they were. They went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they couldn't keep it to themselves. You know, sometimes people tell us, like, like, uh, you know, you ought to share the good news and you ought to share your faith. Listen to me. If it's real and if you're really experiencing this from God, nobody has to tell you to do this. You can't keep a lid on it. You can't keep it under a bushel. You're lit up. And that's what these guys are. They've seen something amazing. They've seen something marvelous. They've heard something. And what do they want to do? Just like the woman at the well, they got to tell somebody. they got to tell somebody. And it says, they, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at, the, at what the shepherds told them. But it said, Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And I think Mary needed every bit of that. I think that was an experience that God gifted her with that day. And these guys got to know a secret that in other places in the Bible, it says that this is uh, uh, um, something that angels long to see, long to look into. It's a mystery that they cannot understand. You remember later in Jesus's uh, ministry, I think it was John 7, um, the uh, Pharisees are having these debates and they were always debating. You know, There's a, a lot of chaos and contention you know, in, those, in their ranks about, about what Jesus was doing and all they needed to do was just believe, but they couldn't do that because that would have meant giving up everything that they knew. But they were, they were arguing about this um, and Nicodemus says, is it, you know, aren't we supposed to listen to somebody before we judge them? And they said, are you from Galilee too? They immediately turned on him and they said, go and look it up. No prophet ever came from Galilee. Well, Jonah did, but that's not the point, right? Do you know what they're saying? They're saying they haven't heard the Christmas story. They're saying that this story that every one of us knows, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He wasn't from Galilee. That that these people have not investigated or looked into it enough. Mary treasured all of these things in her heart, and I think she talked to Jesus about this often, about the night that he was born. Do you ever talk to your kids about the night that they were born? Of course you do. Of course you do. Of course you tell them that story. They weren't aware of what was going on. And especially when it's this special, when it's this unique, from the time that he could talk, that they, he would say, Mom, tell me the story about the night that I was born. And she would tell him the story about the angel, how the angel had come to her and how the angel had appeared to her dad. This is something that was part of him, that was, that was instilled in him, that, that, he, that she treasured in her heart and she spoke of it often. These are, these are precious, precious memories, precious points of light that pointed her on the path to do what God had called her to do and to prepare a place for a Savior to be born. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stop. We'll, we'll conclude with, uh, you want to lead us in a course. If there's something that I've said um, today, and I know that God speaks to us, In his own way. <laughs> and uh, maybe even as I've been talking, your your mind has maybe thought about something else or wandered to, to something else. Maybe you came in this morning with a real burden on your heart, and there's nothing that I'm saying that's really touching that. Listen, your Heavenly Father knows where you are, and He's speaking to you, okay? He's speaking to you. I just want to give you a chance to respond. Let's stand together this morning. I'm not going to ask you to, to move out of your spot right where you are right now just close your eyes turn your attention to him whatever this is that you're facing maybe it is something that he's called you to or that he's spoken to your heart and you just need a refreshing and a reminder and encouragement this morning you just receive that from the Lord because he wants to give that to you maybe you came in bearing a burden and you maybe you've even said this it's too much for me to bear I don't know what I'm going to do the Bible tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. Right now, just with your eyes closed, will you just do that? Will you just say, I'm giving this to you, Lord. And don't keep your hands on it. Give it to him. Tell him, whatever you want to do with it, God, you do with it. Whatever you want to do with me, you do with it. Your trust in him has to be as unconditional as his love for you is. No conditions, no strengths. You just give it to him. And we're going to worship for a minute. You just, you just let God do what God does. Let him, let him be who he is. And you just be his sheep. Be his child. Okay.
1: Love came down to rescue me. Love came down and set me free. i know. my soul
0: kids do this all the time. They're saying, pick me up, or they're saying, I give up. Just hold your hands up to the Lord, whatever it means to you. Just express that to Him as you're singing this.
1: Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours. I am forever I am yours. I am forever yours. Oh, your love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I am yours.
0: before we go. Uh, we've been, over the last couple of weeks, um, I ask you to identify five people that you know just need the Lord. Whether maybe they've known the Lord and they've fallen away from it, or maybe they've never known the Lord before. Um, just identify five. You know, it's aim small, miss small, right? So, uh, and we've already been, in our small group, we were already talking about that, and we're looking for breakthrough in people's lives, and we're not just concerned about our own needs and our own wants and desires, but we're concerned about people around us, some of them that don't have sense enough to know what they really need. And so I just want you to stop for a minute and and we're gonna just pause for a second and, and just lift these people up to the Lord, people that you know. As we pray right now, I just want you to mention them by name. You can pray under your breath if you want to, but pray to the Lord and lift these people up to the Lord, asking for breakthrough, asking for God to reveal Himself to them asking for God to, uh, uh, to draw them to himself, um, asking for God to use you, but know that it's not limited to you. It's not, it's not all up to you. We have our part to play. and We have our price to pay, but it's not us that does the work. It's God that does the work, and we're appealing to him on something that he really wants to do, and we're asking for him to do that. Let's just pause for a minute, lift these people up by name, individually to the Lord and just pray for him, okay? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can trust uh, people in your hands, that you care far more than we could, Lord. Um, I know that some are praying for members of their family um, that are far away, Lord. And Lord, what we're saying is we're going to reach those that are around us, and you put people in their lives right there where they are that can love them just like we would if we were there, that can draw them and invite them in just like we would, that can comfort them, That that can act, Lord. And and live a life um, that is a living example of the Word of God to them, Lord, right where they are. You, Lord Jesus, you can do things that we could never do. We, some of us, Lord, are praying for people that we have broken relationships with, Lord. And we know that the relationship that they need the most is their relationship with you. And so we pray for them, Lord Jesus. We pray for them. You have everything at your disposal. You can do it any way that you want to. Every one of us was saved in a very unique way, Lord. And so these people that we're lifting up to you, we're proclaiming right now there are no, no lost causes. We're saying that. You said ask and we would have it, and we're asking for something that we know from the bottom of our heart is something that you want to do. And so we believe, Lord. We believe. Some of these people that we're praying for, Lord, we're going to see them during the holiday season. Maybe gather around the table with them or watch a football game with them. Uh, Lord, and we just pray God that you would give us wisdom in our words, give us salt in our lifestyle, Lord. Give us a light in our face, Lord Jesus, that uh, ministers life to them, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know what you want us to do and what you don't want us to do, Lord, so that we don't become the issue that you, Lord Jesus, are the one that is glorified. And we thank you for it. And send us forth out of this place, Lord. I know this is a busy season. I just pray for rest. I pray for grace and peace, Lord, for every one of us, that our lifestyle would not be uh, manifesting uh, chaos and disorder and stress, but it would be manifesting the peace that passes understanding and the joy of what this season really is about, Lord. The fact that God came to earth, that God is with us, Emmanuel. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.